Chapter Three of Tom Ossington's Ghost by Richard Marsh. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: Two Lone Lorn Young Women. Ella and Jack eyed each other. Madge took refuge in a chair, conscious of a feeling of irritation at her weakness now that the provocation had passed. Ella regarded her curiously. "'What's the matter with you, Madge? What's happened?' "'It's nothing. Only that horrible woman has upset me.' "'Who is she? And what's she been doing? And what's she want?' "'I don't know who she is or what she wants, or anything at all about her.' I only know that she's prevented me getting anything for your tea. That's all right. We've got something, haven't we, Jack? Jack waved a parcel. But whatever did you let such an extraordinary-looking creature into the house for? And whatever did she mean by screaming out that she's a ghost's wife? Is she very mad? I think she is. And I didn't let her in. Then, while they were preparing tea, the tale was told or at least a part of it. But even that part was enough to make Jack Martin grave. As the telling proceeded, he grew graver and graver, until at the end he wore a face of portentous gloom. When they seated themselves to the meal, he made precisely the remark which they had expected him to make. He rested his hands on his knees, and he solemnly shook his head. This comes of your being alone in the house. Ella laughed. There, now you've started him on his own particular crochet. He'll never let you hear the last of this. Jack went on. I've said before, and I say again, and I shall keep on saying, that you two girls ought not to live alone by yourselves in a house in this out-of-the-way corner of the world. Out-of-the-way corner of the world? On Wandsworth Common? For all practical intents and purposes, you might as well be in the middle of the desert of Sahara. You might shriek and shriek, and I doubt if any one would hear you. This agreeable visitor of Madge's might have cut her throat from ear to ear, or chopped her into mincemeat, and she would have been as incapable of summoning assistance as if she had been at the top of Mont Blanc. That's it, Jack. Pile it on. I don't think it's fair of you to talk like that, Ella. I'm not piling it on. I'm just speaking the plain and simple truth. Honestly, Madge, when you've been alone in the house all day long, haven't you felt that you were at the mercy of the first evil-disposed person who chose to come along? Or if you haven't felt it before, don't you think you'll feel it now? No, to both your questions. Supposing this woman comes back again tomorrow? Madge had to bite her lip to repress a shudder. The idea was not a pleasant one. She won't come back. But suppose she does. And from what you say, I think it very probable that she will. If not tomorrow, then the day after. If she comes the day after tomorrow, she'll find me out. I shall be out all day. There's a confession. It's only because you know that you will be out that you're able to face the prospect with equanimity. You are not entitled to infer anything of the kind. Ella interposed, perceiving that the girl was made uncomfortable by the man's persistence. Don't do quite so much supposing, Jack. Let me do a little for a change. Suppose we lived in one of those flats in the charming neighborhood of Chancery Lane or Bloomsbury, after which, vicariously, your soul so hankers. How much better off should we be there? 
you would at any rate be within the reach of assistance no more so than we are now because quite probably the kind of neighbors we should be likely to have in the sort of flat we should be able to afford would be worse much worse than none at all the truth is that two lonely hard-up girls desperately hard-up girls will be lonely wherever they are we are quite prepared for that only we intend to choose the particular kind of loneliness which we happen to prefer don't we madge of course we do it makes me wild to hear you say such things rather than you should feel like that i'd marry on nothing thank you but i wouldn't i find it quite hard enough to be single on nothing you know what i mean you don't mean actually on nothing i was reckoning it up the other night my income your income's like mine jack capable of considerable increment and would you be so kind as to change the subject but the thing was easier said than done jack's thoughts had been started in a groove and they kept in it the conversation was continually reverting to the subject of the girl's loneliness his last words as he left the room were on the familiar theme i grant that there are advantages to having a pretty little place like this all to yourselves especially when you get it at a peppercorn rent and that it's nice to be your own mistresses and all that kind of thing but in the case of you two girls the disadvantages are so many and so serious that i wonder you don't see them more clearly for yourselves anyhow madge has had her first peep at them to-day and i sincerely hope it will be her last though i am persuaded that before very long you will discover that as a place of residence for two lone lorn young women clover cottage has its drawbacks when ella returned from saying farewell to mr martin in the hall she glanced at madge and laughed jack's in his prophetic mood i shouldn't be surprised if his prophecies inspired her tone was unexpectedly serious ella stared what do you mean what i say you're oracular my dear what do you say that i think it quite possible that we shall find that residence at clover cottage has its drawbacks i've lighted on one or two of them already ella leaned against the edge of the table regarding the speaker with twinkling eyes and smiling lips my dear you don't mean to say that that crazy creature has left such an impression on your mind you see my dear ella i haven't told you all the story i felt that i had given mr martin a sufficient handle against us as it was so i refrained pray what else is there to tell to judge from your looks and manner one would think that there was something dreadful i don't know about dreadful but there certainly is something odd to begin with that wretched woman was not my only visitor then the rest of the tale was told and this time the whole of it ella heard of the stranger who had intruded on the pretense of seeking music lessons of his fear of the seedy loafer in the street of his undignified exit through the back door and the whole of his singular behavior and you say he could play play he played like an i was going to say angel but i'll substitute artist and he looked like a gentleman certainly and spoke like one but he didn't behave like one i won't go so far as to say that he said or did nothing that was positively offensive when he was once inside the house but you called him a thief yes but mind you i didn't think he was one i felt so angry 
I should think you did. I should have felt murderous. And you don't think the man in the road was a policeman? Not he. He was as evil-looking a vagabond as I ever saw. It doesn't follow merely on that account, my dear, that he wasn't a policeman. There was malice in the lady's tones. Not at all. But even a policeman of that type would hardly have jumped out of his skin with fright at the sight of that horrible woman. He knew her, and she knew him. There's a mystery somewhere. How nice! Nice? You think so? I wish you had interviewed her instead of me. My dear Ella, she... she was... beyond expression. Ella came and seated herself on a stool at Madge's feet. Leaning her arms on her knees, she looked up at her face. Poor old chap! It wasn't an agreeable experience. Madge's answer was as significant as it was curt. It wasn't. She gave further details of what the woman had said and done, and of how she had said it and done it, details which she had omitted, for reasons of her own, in Mr. Martin's presence. By the time she had finished, the listener was as serious as the narrator. It makes me feel creepy to hear you. It would have made you creepy to have heard her. I felt as if the house was peopled with ghosts. Madge, don't. You'll make me want to sleep with you if you go on like that. Poor old chap. I'm sorry if I seem to chaff you. She reflected before she spoke again. I can see that it can't be nice for you to be alone in the house while I'm away at town all day earning my daily bread, especially now that the days are drawing in. If you like, we'll clear out of this this week. We could do it in a pinch, and we'll return to the seething masses. Madge reflected in her turn before she answered. Nothing of the sort has happened before, and nothing may happen again. But I tell you frankly that if my experience of today do recur, it won't take much to persuade me that I have an inclination towards the society of my fellows, and that I prefer even the crushes of Petticoat Lane to the solitudes of Wandsworth Common. Well, in that case, it shall be Petticoat Lane. There was silence. Presently Madge stretched herself and yawned. In the meantime, suggested Ella, putting her hand up to her own lips, what do you say to bed? And it was bed. Would you like me to sleep with you? inquired Ella as they went upstairs. Because if you would like me to very much, I would. No, said Madge, I wouldn't. I never did like to share my bed with anyone, and I never shall. I like to kick about, and I like to have plenty of room to do it in. Very good, have plenty of room to do it in ungrateful creature. If you're haunted, don't call me for aid. As it happened, Madge did call her for aid after a fashion, though it was not exactly because she was haunted. End of chapter 3